Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters podcast, a series of candid conversations with leading experts about how individuals and organizations can grow and protect their finances, tailored around current events and trends. Here's your host for today's podcast, Brian Peterangelo. Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters weekly podcast, where we casually ramble on about important topics, including the markets, the economy, human ingenuity, and almost anything under the sun, giving you the keys to unlock the mysteries of the markets and investing. Today is Friday, May 6, 2022. I'm Brian Peterangelo, and with me today, I'd like to introduce our field of investing thoroughbreds. Not only did we hit the trifecta, we also hit the superfecta because we have four of our investment experts instead of the usual three. George Mateo, our Chief Investment Officer, Steve Haight, Head of Equities, Rajiv Sharma, Head of Fixed Income, and Cindy Honcharenko, Senior Fixed Income Portfolio Manager, here to provide some additional thoughts on the Federal Reserve meeting this week. As a reminder, a lot of great content is available on key.com slash wealth insights, including updates from our Wealth Institute on many different subjects, and especially our Key Questions article series addressing a relevant topic for investors each Wednesday. So we're off to the races for 2022, and it might seem odd to say that in May. However, just recently, we now have key information that will help shape the outlook for the year, including first quarter GDP, first quarter corporate earnings, the continued war in Ukraine, inflation, and certainly this week's Fed meeting and outlook for rate hikes. So this has certainly caused volatility in the past two weeks. So Steve, what insights can you share as we make the turn from the backstretch into the second half of the year? Well, Brian, we sure have had a return to volatility this week with the market jumping 3% on Wednesday in the wake of the Fed meeting, going down 4% on Thursday. Um, you know, I think the one thing that's really come home to me is that if you look, you know, people like to talk about you don't want to miss the best days in the market. But what they fail to, to discuss when they say that is that the best days in the market typically occur during bear market periods because you get these rallies that are just true face ripping rallies where things just go bonkers to the upside. Um, but it, it, the volatility is it's a bear market trade. And, you know, when I look at the S and P 500 right now, we're per perched at just precarious levels. We're back to the February lows, uh, breadth, which is a measure of, or, or measures of market participation are, are showing that things are weaker internally in the market than, than maybe what we see on the, on, the, uh, on the face of things and suggesting that things could be, could be heading lower. And you know, when I look at too, I look at credit, credit really has been the most important thing for the market since the global financial crisis back in 2008, 2009. And I think credit gave us kind of a good tell that the market was getting ready to head weaker uh, because credit both investment grade and high yield um, in terms of, of credit default swap spreads moved wider uh, here in the month of April um, heading into the month of May. And you know this, this gave us a tell that things were, things were weakening underneath. So you know, economic activity continues to, to look like it's slowing. Uh, inflation remains a problem. And when you look at the Fed historically, you know I, I I keep coming back to the fact that the Fed has never navigated an environment like we've got today, where we've got high inflation and managed to 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 uh, get a soft landing uh, on the deck. And that is really the the conundrum that we're faced with as market participants. 
Um, if they don't engineer a soft landing, what does that mean for earnings? What does it mean for multiples? Means to me, earnings are likely going to flatten, if not head lower, and multiples are going to continue to contract, which means the market's going to market's going to likely remain under pressure. Um, and you know, if I was to sit around today and and posit you how 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 bad could it get? You know, without a, a precipitous earnings decline, it's really hard to see things getting nefarious like 2008 or, or, or 2000 types of, of bear market drawdowns, but you could easily see the market go back and retest pre-COVID highs, which for the average stock would be, you know, a, a, another 10 to 15% from here and same thing for the market. So, you know, I think that we're, we're in a, in a environment here where it pays to tread cautiously, you know, George may have a, a little bit more of a sanguine view than me. Uh, what do you think, George? Well, I agree with you, Steve, that I think we are perched at some really uh, interesting and maybe potentially precarious levels. Uh, I do think from the economy's perspective, things are going along pretty well, which maybe is a blessing and a curse in the sense that the economic momentum we've seen, I think is pretty healthy still. I mean, we had an employment report out today and you know, it's not really perfect in every respect, but things are still pretty decent. Um, the markets aren't really taking it that way. Uh, but employment, you know, grew another 400,000 jobs almost, which is pretty impressive. Uh, wage gains were also pretty nice. We also saw, you know, parts of the economy broaden out in terms of the overall uh, gains in the labor market. Um, you know, and so I think to some extent that's all that's all good and well, but it probably also keeps further pressure on the Fed in the sense that they probably need to do more than uh, they might otherwise would. We've already seen a decent amount of financial tightening take place, though. I mean, you've talked about bond yields moving up, and they've risen considerably just in the past couple months or so. Mortgage rates have followed suit, and we've also seen a lot of strength in the dollar, which is going to put some pressure on on international countries as well. So we've kind of seen a lot of uh, a lot of these things happen. I think China is probably responsible for some of the the more recent weakness. Um, they've been very aggressive with locking down their economy. It seems likely that um, the manufacturing and service sector there is slowing quite precipitously as a result of that. And um, you know, that's something that, that we have to keep in mind is, is, I think, could be temporary. I mean, it's hard to really know exactly what happens next there. But if I think maybe, I don't know, six or eight, nine months ahead or so, and if I ask myself, is, is the COVID situation in China get worse or get better, I would probably think it would get better. I mean, again, nobody's got a crystal ball on these things for sure. And uh, everything out of China seems to be more opaque than, than we'd like it to be. But nonetheless, I would think that at some point uh, they might have to change their stance or maybe just that the virus itself kind of burns itself out. So when we've seen these, these headlines um, that kind of suggest that maybe growth is slowing, I think the epicenter for that is, is the Asian markets and China in particular. And, uh, and likely, all likelihood, uh, we'll start to see some of this pressure subside perhaps in the back half of this year. Um, meanwhile, the Fed is, is pretty aggressive, as we've talked about. Um, they've been saying that they wanted to do more. And I think it's, it's kind of right to say that we're probably in kind of this uh, downward channel in terms of where the market's going. I think it's probably fair to say that um, bear markets are born out of optimism and bull markets are born out of pessimism. And so as we've been saying that maybe the one thing we can cheer about is fear in the sense that there is a lot of panic and a lot of concern uh, in the markets right now. I tend to agree with you, Steve, that I think we're probably going to be in a, in a sideways to down pattern for, for a while now. Uh, fundamentals really don't provide much support here when we have these, uh, these moments. Earnings, as you noted, are getting a little bit peaky and they're kind of topping out a bit. Uh, and so far as they can stay somewhat elevated, uh, I agree with you that we might not see the big downdraft. Uh, but that, um, that is a cause for concern. And as inflation pressures continue to rise, 
we're likely to see some pressure on earnings too. So I think it'll be a really tough couple months or so. But as I said, as we look maybe forward and kind of think some of these pressures regarding COVID and other things as well, uh, perhaps we can actually think about sunnier days ahead um, later this year. But I, I do think the credit markets that you talked about uh, are really worth watching, a key tell for sure. So let me uh, flip it over to Rajiv to get his, th his thoughts on the, uh, the state of the credit markets today. Rajiv? Thank you, George. Um, I agree with everything you're saying. I think the credit markets are really going to be the telltale sign for how this, uh, this market moves ahead. Uh, we did see credit widen uh, yesterday. We saw a credit default uh, index uh, move sharply higher. But if you look at uh, cash bonds, uh, credit actually widened out probably about five basis points in the day, which again is orderly. And we've been saying that for a while that credit spreads have moved. Um, you know, they haven't really widened out a lot, but I think they've moved uh, very orderly. They've moved wider. They've leaked wider. And I think that... Uh, I think it says a lot about the credit market and how, uh, how healthy the credit market is. Uh, I agree with what Steve was saying that as far as that it's very important to, for us to keep an eye on the credit markets and make sure that they don't widen out tremendously or, or there's some kind of liquidity crunch in the credit markets. We haven't seen that yet. New deals are being priced. We saw um, probably about uh, 8 billion of new deals came to market this week and they all, they all got successfully priced and they all um, did very well on a, on a week that you had the FOMC meeting, which generally you don't see a lot of new deals come on the week during the FOMC meeting, but we did see it this week and, and all of them did uh, very well. They priced with some concessions, not too much. And I think a lot of um, dealers are very happy to see those. As far as uh, the health of the credit market, we, we see very well capitalized companies come to market. Uh, they do very well as far as the new issue calendar goes. Uh, we haven't seen tremendous widening even with treasuries extending their uh, their bear steepening move. I mean, we saw, we've seen some huge moves in the treasury markets uh, this week with the Fed in the market. And uh, after the FOMC meeting, we saw yields decline at that point. Uh, following immediately the day after we saw yields surge, surge higher. And uh, we have a 10 year around 3.09 right now, uh, but it's still cheaper by five basis points on the day. Many other uh, investment shops have uh, repositioned their, their idea of where the 10 year should be. And I think right now, everybody's kind of really looking at uh, bear steepening. The curve is getting steeper. Uh, and I think that the, the, the focal point is what the Fed said and what they didn't say. What they said was that there's no 75 basis points on the table anymore. But by saying that, I think the market reacted that this is a, uh, Good news, we only had 50 basis points. But I think the next day, which was yesterday, many uh, investors were like, wait a minute, is that enough? Is the Fed aggressive enough? And the bond market is really dictating the terms right now and deciding that that is not enough. And uh, that's why yields went higher yesterday. Yeah, it seems to me, Rajiv, that I think uh, on, on Wednesday, people thought that maybe uh, Powell, Jay Powell, the chair of the Federal Reserve, had suggested that um, you know the 75 basis point move was off the table, but the next day, as you mentioned, everybody woke up and realized that inflation is not off the table. Inflation is still here. Do you think he has to pivot again and maybe say, well, you know, I was wrong and maybe we do have to raise rates 75 basis points? I think that that's going to be a tough call for him because he was so clear on the fact that 75 basis points was not on the table. And I think the market reacted as, again, the Fed is behind the curve. They need to be more aggressive. Um, and I think that that's going to be an issue for him. Uh, it's very hard to do this soft landing, and I feel that uh, it would have been better if he didn't 
make that statement um, because now, again, market dynamics and market uh, predictability of about 75 basis points is off the table. I think that uh, it's very hard to do that. I also think that the unanimous vote and no descendants on the vote was very interesting too. We would have at least assumed that one Fed member would have said 75 basis points is not is the way to go. Um, I think right now it's really going to be data dependent. And again, you don't want the Fed to be behind the curve, uh, which is the market sentiment right now that they they are continuously behind the curve. So let's get Cindy's perspective on this. And, and Cindy, maybe what, what do you think the average investor really needs to know about the Fed these days in terms of what it's doing to their their, their investment portfolio, to their, their bank account, to their, their financial situation? What do you think most people should really understand about the Fed these days? Well, I, I agree with Rajiv. I, I think the Fed is done pivoting right now, and they're going to focus more on the data. And I, I think the average investor needs to keep in mind that the message this week was appropriately hawkish. I don't think Chair Powell, he, he wasn't planning, he, he wasn't trying through his presser in the comments, especially the 75 basis points uh, is not even being considered. I, I don't think he meant to stir up the markets and loosen up financial conditions. Uh, I think we're get, we'll get more clarity today. There, there are some Fed speakers uh, out today. Hopefully, they can settle the markets down a little bit. But the, the Fed seems more like it's, it's on a glide path now. It, it used to have these erratic narratives and caused a lot of volatility in the markets. I'm not saying yesterday wasn't a volatile day. It definitely was. But I think that they're, with the the communication being, okay, we're, we're moving ahead, but you can plan on 50 basis point hikes over the next two meetings. They're, they're actually giving more forward guidance. And I think that's good and it's bad because I really think that the market, what happened yesterday in the market was the market being disappointed on the 75 basis point comment by Powell and his presser. So average investor, uh, Every, every meeting's live. Uh, don't take everything that Chair Powell and, and the other committee members from the Fed, don't take it too literally, seriously, uh, because things change. Uh, the, the Fed is definitely committed to bringing inflation down. I really think that uh, Chair Powell, when he stepped out initially in the presser and addressed the American public. I, I really think he was genuine and he meant what he said. Uh, so I just be very uh, defensive with your investing uh, decisions going forward. And uh, we need to really watch the data uh, and uh, like like uh, Steve said, you know the, the Fed is in a really precarious position because they've never, this Fed has never had to deal with this type of inflation, and I think that if they can snuff this out and, and prove to the American people that they definitely are serious about getting inflation under control, that'll really help their credibility. 
I think what happened, a lot of people compare what's happening now with inflation to what happened in the 70s. But I think the difference there was inflation wasn't snuffed out quickly enough in the 70s. It was let it, it, it just got worse and worse and worse. And then that's what brought upon Paul Volcker. Uh, I don't think that this Fed, I know Powell mentioned he, he invoked Volcker during the press conference. I really don't think that this Fed that we have now is willing or able to do another Volcker that we saw back in the 70s. George, Steve, Rajiv, and Cindy, thanks for providing your insights. We appreciate it. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to the Key Wealth Matters podcast through your favorite podcast app. And always, past performance is no guarantee of future results. And we know your financial situation is personal to you. So reach out to your relationship manager, portfolio strategist, or advisor for more information. And we'll catch up with you next week to see how the world and the markets have changed and provide those keys to help you achieve your financial success. The Key Wealth Matters podcast is produced by the Key Wealth Institute. The Key Wealth Institute is comprised of a collection of financial professionals representing key entities, including Key Private Bank, Key Bank Institutional Advisors, Key Private Client, and Key Investment Services. Any opinions, projections, or recommendations contained herein are subject to change without notice and are not intended as individual investment advice. This material is presented for informational purposes only and should not be construed as individual tax or financial advice. Bank and trust products are provided by Key Bank National Association, member FDIC, and Equal Housing Lender. Key Private Bank and Key Bank Institutional Advisors are part of Key Bank. Investment products, brokerage, and investment advisory services are offered through Key Investment Services LLC or KISS, member of FINRA, SIPC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Insurance products are offered through Key Corp Insurance Agency USA, Incorporated, or KIA. KISS and KIA are affiliated with Key Bank. Investment and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed, may lose value, not a deposit, not insured by any federal or state government agency. KeyBank and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their personal tax advisor before making any tax-related investment decisions. This content is copyrighted by KeyCorp 2022.